Then the fox screams again, high and sharp. Thomas shudders and turns back to the gateway, as if he might somehow be allowed back in to return to bed, but then he collects himself and turns again and forces himself to move. One step, two, carefully keeping close to the priory walls, following them around to where the dark line of the old road comes into view on its way through the fen towards Cornford and the sea beyond. There was a time when it might have been busy, he thinks, even on a morning such as this. Merchants might have been making their way to Boston with their wool for the fleet sailing for the staple in Calais, or pilgrims might have been coming to the shrine of little St. Hugh in Lincoln. These days, though, with the land so lawless, anyone abroad at this time of day is either a fool or a villain, or both. By the time he reaches the sister's cloister, Thomas's shins are scorched, his chillblains throb, and his fingers are already so thick and clumsy with the cold, he knows he will not be able to hold a quill all day, knows he'll make no progress with his psalter. Even his teeth ache. He stops at the sister's gate, pauses a moment, glances at it, though he knows he must not. Then he leaves the shadow of the priory's walls and cuts away, down across a field where the lay brothers will plant rye in the distant spring. There is an old path on the snow, a line of footprints he follows through the furlong and down towards the dung-heap by the river. Here the path ends in a confusion of dimples in the snow and broken ice, as if someone has been fetching water. Thomas climbs down the low bank onto the ice, where a mist unfurls around his ankles. He steps onto it, testing it, though he knows it to be strong enough to bear a cart and ox, and he hurries across in a few quick strides to thread his way through the ice-rhymed reeds on the far side. Just as he is scrambling up the bank, the fox shrieks once more, rough-edged, filled with pain. Thomas pauses, frozen. The scream stops abruptly, as if cut off. Thomas wavers again, looks back at the priory, at the low clutch of stone buildings that huddle around the stump of the church's tower. He sees the fratter house roof leaking smoke into the pale sky, and he wishes he was safe behind those walls again, readying himself for prime, perhaps, or even still asleep and dreaming again of the summer to come. Curse the prior. Curse him for waking him. Curse him for sending him on this errand. And why? Why him? Why not this John who set the snare in the first place? Thomas is a scribe, an illuminator, not a lay brother, no longer some farm boy. He'd meant to pass that day applying leaf to one of the capitals, burnishing it with Brother Athelstan's dog's tooth tool. But now his fingers are like sausages. This is the prior's design, of course. Thomas understands that. The prior means to knock the pride from him. He said as much the night before when he'd preached against the sin during supper. Thomas had felt the old man's eye settle on him more than once during the meal, but had thought little of it. He hadn't looked contrite enough. That was it. A lesson there. He carries on to where the snow is deeper, undisturbed since it started falling the day after Martinmas this last year. He breaks through the snow crust up to his knees, stumbles, flounders. Soon he is sodden. On he goes, up the gentle slope, until he is only a few footsteps from the tangled borders of the copse. 
It hurts to breathe. He peers through the lattice of unruly branches. He sees nothing, only darkness, but something is in there. Again, the hair on his nape bristles. He raises his stick to hook aside a bough. There is an explosion, a rattling boom. There is a cry, a tearing sound, the beating of wings. It comes at him, soot black, straight at his face, at his eyes. He bellows, he ducks, swings the staff, throws himself to the snow. But the crow is gone before it is really there. It flies off with a dismal caw. Thomas's heart is pounding. He hears himself babbling, making no sense. When he gets to his knees, his hands are blue, his cassock quilted with snow. The crow has settled on a snow-capped post by the dung heap.